According to NASA, there are about 8.8 billion planets the same size as Earth in our galaxy, the Milky Way, all orbiting round a stars much like our sun. These 8.8 billion planets are in what scientists like to call the Goldilocks zone, a zone that's not too hot or too cold for life to flourish. Astronomers say the next step in exploration is to invent powerful telescopes that can take a closer look at these planets to see whether or not there is life on the planets. If there is life, there will be a natural urge to connect with these lives in some way. We would want to connect because we are human beings, designed in the image of God, whose nature is to reach out and communicate with us. And during the season of Epiphany, of which we celebrate Epiphany 2 today, our invisible God shows that he did actually reach out and communicate by placing a human baby, with some help from Mary, onto our planet. With skin. This, is, this is indeed God with skin on in the form of a baby onto a tiny planet that we inhabit. And that's pretty amazing, really, when you think about it. The Apostle, the Apostle John, one of Jesus' closest students, wrote in the first chapter of the book, um, following his, bearing his name, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And this mysterious Word, who was with God, took on skin, took on bones and connective tissue, and moved into our neighbourhood. And today John, the Gospel writer, tells us the story of how John, the Baptist, took great pains to announce the coming of Jesus and what his coming means for us. The early church and the early church history, the leaders felt a great urge to explain exactly how Jesus got to be amongst us. So after a great deal of deliberation, they developed the Nicene Creed, which um, we often say in church, and, and this was um, developed at the settlement of Nicaea in what is today Turkey. It's called the Nicene because it was originally ad um, adopted in the city of Nicaea, which is the present-day city of Iznik in Turkey, in the year 325. I visited Iznik a few years ago and stood in the ruins of the church where the discussions took place nearly 1,700 years ago about how Jesus came to be part of our human race. It was a moving experience to stand on the ground where such elevated discussions had started. The Nicene Creed affirms that Jesus was God and was also a human being. Jesus was what we call God incarnate. Now you've probably said this word many times in a creed and wondered what on earth does that word incarnate mean? And this word is very interesting. It comes from the root word carn, which means meat. And the Spanish word con carne means with meat. So incarnate, which we say often in our creeds, means God with meat, God with flesh, muscle and skin. And if God came to us with skin as a small human being, very similar to accept a different sex from Zoe this morning, then it means we are never, ever alone. 
We have someone with us always throughout our life and definitely after our life which allows us to be in heaven. God, an invisible spirit who took on skin and became one of us and communicates with us. God in human form who loves us very much, so much that actually he died for us. And the Bible says in the book of James that life is like a vapour that appears for a little while and then disappears. The longer I live, I realise the truth of the statement, life is but a short, short journey. Occasionally, when I have time, um, despite a pretty full life, I wonder for a second, what will people say when I have gone? Um, maybe they will say, well, she was a farmer's wife from Southland who made nice scones and took plenty of food out to the paddocks when the harvesters were out there harvesting the barley and wheat as the warm Southland breeze kept blowing to dry the moisture from the grain. Mm. Or maybe my children or grandchildren will say, I just loved them so much and taught them a few important lessons. Or maybe somebody might say, she was a workaholic. Who knows? Who knows what they're going to say? But what I do know is what people um, said about John the Baptist. He was a man who pointed people to Jesus. He pointed people to Jesus. And a pointer for the record is a person who's less interested in him or herself and more interested in the person that they're pointing to. And once again, this emphasises the driving force behind John the Baptist's life that less is more with God. And our scripture this morning clearly shows us that John the Baptist was a pointer because when he sees Jesus coming, he proclaims to those around him, sounds out his voice, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And as he's saying this, I can imagine him standing out there with all his gear on, which wasn't like this gear, just the old... Um, skins and the leather belt, and I can see him pointing to Jesus because John the Baptist was a pointer and we can follow his example. John gives his testimony. He says, I saw the Spirit coming down from heaven as a dove remains on him. I would not have known him, I wouldn't have known him, except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom the Spirit comes down and remains is the one who will baptize you as we've had this morning with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Point one, we all need to be pointers because it's not generally easy these days for people to choose to follow Jesus. By our words and our behavior, we need to point to the power of Jesus in our life. Unless Christians live out their faith as a pointer to Jesus, many people will never, ever come to understand what they are missing out on in their life. Just think about all the schools who will no longer allow Bible in schools. How many children, um, how, how are those children ever going to come to know the love of Jesus and the importance of God without such teaching, especially if parents or um, are not people who follow Jesus and extend God's love. Point two, we need to be pointers because this world circulates a lot of misinformation about Jesus. John the Baptist acknowledges that Jesus was born after him, 
In fact, John the Baptist, um, earthly speaking, earthly speaking was about six months older than Jesus. But the Bible's position is clear. Jesus has always existed. This world, especially religious cults and atheists in it, say that Jesus is a created being, that there is a point in time when Jesus just kind of somehow flashed into existence. Mere humans know so little about the world. There is so much of our world that is unexplained. Remember back to the 8.8 billion planets, just like ours. If we don't point to the power of Jesus in our lives, people may not understand the greatness of God. Fake news abounds in such circumstances, as we well hear many days. Point three, we need to be pointers because the Bible indicates that Jesus is the one who offers eternal life. But if people don't know the Bible, how will they know that Jesus is the one who offers them life after death? How will they have any inkling about life after death and about heaven that is to follow for us? John the Baptist describes the Holy Spirit coming down upon Jesus and remaining on him. Did John the Baptist make this up? The answer is no, because even before Jesus was born, if you have a look in the Old Testament, it's written, Isaiah and Isaiah 11, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From the roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of power. John the Baptist testifies, as the Old Testament testifies, long before Jesus was born, that Jesus would come. And that is what we need to do and to point people to. Now today, there is no one, no one on earth except us to point Jesus out to others. We do not have to do that literally with our arm and our finger extended. We can do that in many, many other ways. We can do that with our behaviour. An example of this is keeping our trust in God even when we face the most challenging of situations. That certainly gets people thinking about the faith we have. It may be that when people get sick or have operations, we place all our faith in Jesus. That certainly gets people thinking about the strength of our faith and points to the importance of Jesus. It may be that we go out of our way in a very, very busy world to take time to actually listen to people who need help. Listening to listen rather than listening to reply is a God-given skill that those who need support always relate positively to. Charlotte Elliott was just a young woman the night she went into the home of some friends for dinner. The year was 1835. The home was in the West End of London. There she met a brash young minister named Caesar Milan. During the course of the meal, he asked her if she was a Christian. She took offence and said she'd rather not discuss the matter. He apologised and the conversation moved on. Three weeks later, their paths crossed again. This time, it was she who brought it up. She said, ever since you'd asked me that question, she, that, that he'd asked her that question, she'd been trying to find Jesus, but to no avail. So tell me, she said, 
How does one come to Christ? How does one come to Jesus? And he said, just come as you are. And she did. Not long after she wrote this hymn, you may know. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me to come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming his way, he told his disciples, Behold, the, Lord, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. As you see the trials and tribulations of everyday life, in your own life and in the lives of others, dare to let Jesus come more fully into your life and invite others to know him as well. We are called by God to be human beings who reach out and communicate to others on this tiny planet we inhabit, one of billions of planets in our Milky Way. And to God be the glory. Amen.